Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to this Wednesday. It's hump day. Let's Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Wednesdays are probably my favorite show now because Wednesdays in the second half of the show, I get to open up the old mailbag, and I <laughs> that reminds me of just a quick sidebar, which I do too much in these shows. Does anyone ever – if you like Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up, I always think back when he, he was making fun of – horse racing and he th- said basically man you ever wonder what these horses are thinking and you know that they're stuck in a stall and then all of a sudden he's you think they're wondering like why are they hitting me so hard why do i have to run so fast or are they thinking like oat bag i got my oat bag now that's what i thought of when i heard uh when i thought said said to myself it's mailbag day get my mailbag get my mailbag now so we have mailbag you all pulled through like you always do my ride or die crew always on the call I sent it out on Tuesday. You all responded. I appreciate each and every one of you. We're going to get into that in the second half of the show. The first half of the show, well, of course, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. But before we do that, I do want to remind everyone that listens to this podcast that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is kind of the the nest egg. It is the hub, and everything else is a string from that hub. It's a spoke of the wheel away from the middle, the hub. And BehindTheSteelCurtain.com Make sure you check it out. Every single person that's on the podcast platform, even Big Bro Sco, 
He writes an article during the season, not in the off season, but we're all writers. So check out our written work as well as our audio work. And then wherever you get your podcast, make sure you download, uh, just, Hey, search Steelers or behind the steel curtain. You'll find us subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do. A lot of people said, I wish you had an app. I wish we had an app too, but that's not up to me. That's up for the higher, the higher ups in SB nation and Vox media who get paid a heck of a lot more than I do. So let's get started. The Super Bowl, Super Bowl. 55 in the books the 2020 season is a wrap i can't believe it they got it done actually i can believe it i bet on that happening and they they got it done i was shocked that no games got canceled but they got it done so the 2020 season is officially in the books uh and the kansas city chiefs boy did they look rough i've watched a lot of chiefs games mainly because I'm always hoping that they lose because that would help the Steelers. I'm always keeping an eye on what they're doing and thinking, okay, yeah, if the Chiefs can do this, if the Chiefs can do that. Lo and behold, the Chiefs lay an egg at the absolute worst time. And a lot of praise is given to Tom Brady. He wins the seventh Super Bowl. That makes me want to puke, vomit, whatever. It, Brady didn't play. He didn't win the game for the Buccaneers. I'm going to say that, I'm going to very confidently say that he did not win the game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He did not lose the game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he did not win the game either. He did not go out and throw for some 400 yards and just sling it all over the field. He made plays when they presented themselves, and he took advantage of every single opportunity he was given. This was a typical Tom Brady performance, especially later in his career. He's not going to light up the scoreboard. He knows he doesn't have to light up the scoreboard. He just needs to make the plays when they present themselves. And that's exactly what he did. But do you know who won the game? Do you know where the game was won for the Kansas City? I'm sorry, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Chiefs? That's right. If you watch the game, you know. That game was won in the trenches. It was won in the trenches. We're talking the offense and the defensive line mainly the offensive line. Oh my gosh, that offensive line of the Bucks. And it's funny because when we did when we talked about this uh, the, the Super Bowl on the Steelers preview last Thursday myself, Dave Schofield and Brian Anthony Davis, we talked about the offense, which offense do we like better? And I even said on that stupid show, it's not stupid, I'm on the show. I I we all I'm <laughs> not going to say that. But I mean, I even said on the show I really like Tampa Bay's offensive line. But for some unknown reason, I was too stupid or scared to say I like Tampa Bay's offense better than Kansas City. Kansas City's offensive line was banged up. No one suggesting that they were just completely healthy and just laid an egg. That's not what happened. They were banged up. They had a lot. They were three substitute players in there in some way, shape, or form. And my goodness, they had Stefan Wisniewski, the player that the Pittsburgh Steelers signed as a free agent after 2019. He shows up, gets Gets the start in week one for injured David DeCastro on Monday Night Football against the Giants. And if you watched his film from that game before he got hurt himself with a pectoral injury, which landed him on injured reserve, he got smoked in that game. It wasn't even funny. When Kevin Dotson came as a, as, as a rookie, immediately things calmed down. Wisniewski did not look good. He rehabbed in Pittsburgh, gets taken off IR, and gets waived that weekend. He's kind of just hanging around, not really knowing where to go. He finds himself back in Kansas City, back in a Super Bowl, 
and he looked the exact same way he did in week one. He looked like a turnstile. Every single time you saw a Tampa Bay Buccaneers defender in the backfield, it was because Stefan Wisniewski was getting turned inside and out in you know, every which way possible. But it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line that really stole the show, in my opinion. Think about this. Look at these statistics. Tell me how telling this is. They ran the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 33 times for 150, 145 yards, a 4.4 average, and one touchdown. That's a solid offensive output. 4.4 average, that's amazing. Good, perfect. 21, 20, 21 for 29 was Tom Brady's passing attempts and completions. He threw for 201 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, was only sacked one time, and the the Kansas City pass rush, which has not been horrible, by the way, only got two quarterback hits on 43-year-old Tom Brady. I'll say that again. He threw for three touchdowns, no picks. He only got sacked once and hit twice. Now he threw for 201 yards, and some might say, oh, that's kind of mundane. He did what he had to do. They rushed for 145 yards. He didn't have to throw for 300. So let's well, let's look at the other side. I talked about Wisniewski. He wasn't the only player that looked awful. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, I've never seen a game like this from him in his career. I'm sure he hasn't either. But let's start with the running game. The Kansas City Chiefs had 17 carries on the – this was like a Pittsburgh Steelers-esque game, except their 17 carries had 107 yards. So 107, you're thinking, that's not bad. That's a 6.3-yard average. Don't let's not forget Kansas City's – 33 of Kansas City's rushing yards came from Mahomes when he was basically running for his life. When he was essentially flushed out of the pocket, he has nowhere else to go, and so he runs the football. 33 of that 107 came on those type of plays. So they did – that's a decent average. 107 is not bad, but they only ran it 17 times. Meanwhile, Mahomes – 26 of 49, 270 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions, three sacks, but here's the big number, 10 quarterback hits, 10. They hit him early and often. My goodness, he was getting beat up. He's never been hit like that, never. And I got to be honest, it, we, that's that's on the Kansas City offensive line. They're banged up. I said that already. But the one thing, let's bring this full circle back to the Steelers. The one thing I, I couldn't get out of my head was, boy, do the Steelers need more maulers. They need guys that are just aggressive, angry, in your face. They're going to take you to school. They're going to take you behind the woodshed, and they're going to teach you a lesson. And this is on both sides of the ball here, people, both sides of the football, because, yes, the Kansas City offensive line was banged up, but it was the Tampa Bay defensive front that was able to pressure with just four, and that's how they won that game. It was the Tampa Bay offensive line that kept that Kansas City pass rush at bay and gave Brady and their running game room to operate so the Steelers need more maulers they need more physical players you know so think back let's let's start on the offensive side first let's start off the offensive line I want a guy give me a Mike Webster a Darmani Dawson uh, guys that are just so physical Willie Colon was a mauler if you remember Willie Colon 
he was a pancake guy. He was a guy that was going to knock you backwards, drive you off the ball, and he's going to keep driving you back until you're flat on your back and he's on top of you talking trash the whole time. The Steelers don't have that type of player. You know what's scary? David DeCastro was that kind of player. Now, maybe in 2020, he was banged up. I would not be shocked at all if we found out that DeCastro had offseason surgery to fix something. We know he was a knee injury early on in training camp. I'm not sure if that lingered, but we know that DeCastro was hurt. Could he be go back to his mauler ways? I mean, think back to those huge battles with Vontez Perfect in Cincinnati. Maybe. Maybe, but I'm not, I can't count on that. The only player on that offensive line right now that fits that description, in my opinion, is, is Kevin Dotson. A flipping rookie last year is the is the most physical offensive lineman they have. Alejandro Villanueva, who will be a free agent, he's never been physical. Uh, Chooks Okorafor, I'm not sure if he's ever really had the opportunity. I think Matt Filer could be a mauler with this, hopefully with this new offensive system that's coming in with Matt Canada and Adrian Clem on the offensive line coach, maybe. But my goodness, in this upcoming draft or in free agency, the Steelers would benefit from getting an offensive line that has more aggression. So what I did is I looked up, going into the postseason, where did all these teams rank per the per pro football focus? You say what you want about pro football focus, but they ranked all 32 offensive lines. Tampa Bay was 5th, Kansas City was 11th, Pittsburgh was 17th. And here's what they had to say about the Steelers' offensive line from last season. The Steelers' offensive line has been an interesting case this season, going Purely off pressure rate allowed, they've been the best pass-protecting unit in the NFL, with Ben Roethlisberger being pressured on the league low 21% of his dropbacks this season. The important footnote there is that Roethlisberger is also getting rid of the football quicker than any quarterback we've charted since 2012, a 2.17 seconds on average. The PFF grades are built to factor that in, however, and Pittsburgh's offensive line still finished the regular season ranked 4th in pass blocking grade. A 31st ranked run blocking unit is what drops them to 17th on the list. The only starting offensive lineman with a run blocking grade north of 60 is Alejandro Villanueva at 60.9, and that shows in their rushing success on the year. No team averaged fewer yards per run play, 3.6, and the Steelers did this season. It's a group that could use an injection of youth and talent, and I couldn't agree more with what they said. You can hate pro football focus. You can think it's a bunch of malarkey, but honestly, I cannot disagree with a word that they said there. And that comes back down to this offensive line the Steelers have right now. They were last in rushing yards per game, last in, last in rushing yards per carry, which is what they just stated at 3.6. And in my opinion, the pass protection was iffy based on the fact that if Roethlisberger had to hold onto the ball longer, if he was forced to hold onto the ball longer, that's when he got into trouble. He didn't, I don't feel like he, Randy Feetner, Matt Canada, anyone else that has anything to do with the passing game trusted the offensive line to hold up if he was going to do a six, seven, eight step drop and chuck it deep. They didn't trust it to hold up. That tells me that, boy, do you need not just an injection of youth, you need to get some maulers. I mean, when was the last time you saw an offensive lineman of the Pittsburgh Steelers drive a man off the line of scrimmage? backwards and plant him on his rear end on his back looking up at the sky at the sky staring at the stars in a night game i literally can't think of one a time 
It, you'd have to go back to DeCastro back when he was younger, and he was a real physical guard. And he would pull, and he would just dominate at the point of attack. They just don't have it anymore. They just don't have it anymore. They need to get those type of players back into the system. And it's, it might have to be through the draft. You know, they found Dotson in the fourth round of last year's draft. I'm not sure if they're going to get that lucky again to find that type of lineman that late. But I think they're going to be looking draft, but that's what they need. Now, what about on the defensive side? What about the defensive side of the ball? They need some maulers there too, people. They really do. I have to, if I'm being completely honest, Cam Hayward's the only player that I think of when I think of a mauler on the defensive front. I'm not talking outside linebackers here, people. I'm talking about defensive linemen. I'm talking about players that used to play like Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith was a mauler. He'd wreck the game. He didn't have to get sacks. He was wrecking the game. He was doing his part. You want to go back even further? I'm talking about Mean Joe. I'm talking about Dwight White. All those great interior defensive linemen for that 4-3 defense back in the 70s. They could... I know. I want you to stop right now and not say, well, Jeff, wouldn't it be nice if they just drafted all these Hall of Famers? I'm not saying that. I'm saying I would love to see a player like Stefan Tua get a little bit of nasty in him. Become a little bit more of a mauler. Yeah, he had 11 and a half sacks last season, but he also disappeared a lot. I want to see a guy that's driving his man backwards. This defense front, this defensive front is good. I'm not here to say that they're not. They're they're good. But at the same time, the question that you have to ask yourself is that if they would have gone up against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, would they have been able to get to him with just four? Would they have gotten more than one sack? Would they have gotten more than two quarterback hits on Brady and the Buccaneers? Would they have been able to stop the Bucs from running the ball? Remember, the Buccaneers had 145 yards on the ground, 4.4 average. Would the Steelers have been able to do that? I tweeted this out before the game or maybe the the early first quarter. I said, ask yourself throughout this game, would the Steelers have been able to beat either of these teams today? And I put a funny Will Ferrell gif in there. And a lot of people said, I think they could beat the Chiefs, but I don't think they could beat the Buccaneers. That's the question. To me, the offensive line, the Steelers' offensive line, wouldn't have been able to do it. Could the defensive line do it? I think they, they both, both sides of the ball, could value and benefit from getting a little bit more aggressive, could benefit from getting a little bit nasty, could benefit from actually having players in there that are young, hungry, and ready to rip someone's head off. Maybe I'm getting a little excited, but that's what they need. And it, it, the, the Super Bowl was exhibit A, and everyone was watching. You had to know that the Steelers, well, all the fans were watching, and if you're like me, you're watching that thinking, that's what the Steelers need. The Steelers want to contend, that's what they need. They need Maulers back. They need that offensive line to do their thing. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. All right, folks, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, it's mailbag time. Get your mailbag now. Be right back right after this break. Did not see. 
We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of this Wednesday Let's Ride podcast. I'm your host from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, co-editor Jeff Hartman. It's the Ride or Die crew time. You guys are, you guys are always with me. I do appreciate and love every one of you. Uh, but you know what? It's mailbag time. You know what we do? We send out the – you can follow me on Twitter if you're listening to this podcast and saying, man, I always want to ask Jeff a question, but I never know when – Follow me on Twitter at jhartman underscore P-I-T. That's J-H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday afternoon, mid midday, I'll send out a tweet. I always retweet it on the Behind the Steel Curtain feed so we can make sure everyone sees it. You just respond, and I answer them all. So let's get this thing started right. Ben says, with Bud, he's talking about Dupree's situation coming off injury, do you think he would sign a one-year deal with the Steelers to try and boost his chances at a bigger contract somewhere else in 2022? Or do you think he will walk in free agency? Hashtag TJ was robbed. Hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, Ben. So first, Bud Dupree would only do that if he had no other options. So he would only say, well, I'm going to take this one-year deal with Pittsburgh because, like a, like a prove-it deal because no one else is giving him an offer. And the sad thing is, is I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that they're definitely, he's definitely going to get other offers. He's going to have people that are going to want to bring him in. I know that ESPN, uh, they just did their top 50 free agents in a likely landing spot for them. Bud Dupree, they had him with the Tennessee Titans. And I could see that being a fit for him down there, down in Tennessee. So for, for me, though, would he do it? If it was the only the best offer, that's it. Ben also adds, also, can you do a shout-out to my wife, Kelly? It's our anniversary this coming Wednesday. Thank you if you can. She's also hashtag ride or die crew. Ben and Kelly, happy anniversary. I hope you two lovebirds enjoy it, and congratulations on another year of marriage. It's always great to see ride or die crew. I love it. Brian Hayes says, what do you think is going to be the biggest surprise of this upcoming offseason? Hashtag ride or die crew that's right that's starting to i don't know if it's ever going to be trending but i love it uh well brian i think that the biggest news will be retirements i'm trying to piece together in my mind which players would be those retirements i i could see pouncy i could see villanueva and here's a shocker i could see DeCastro. if you follow this team and you watch these interviews and you listen to these interviews and you read these quotes like we do here behind the steel curtain.com, I feel like David DeCastro, especially the last few seasons, I think this started when Marcus Gilbert left and then some of those pieces of the puzzle started to leave Ramon Foster left. I don't think he has the drive anymore. I don't think he has the want to play anymore. I don't think he feels like he needs it anymore. I could see him saying, you know what? I'm a smart guy. I'm a young guy. I'm I'm going to step away. He's also really good friends with Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck stepped away from the game. So I think David DeCastro, that would be the biggest surprise for me. Um, Jose says, on uh, he asks, have I ever heard of Red at Red me- Red's meme team? No, um, I don't like the Cincinnati Reds, so I don't know why I would do that. Uh, he said, on a Steelers note, who do you believe the Steelers would keep free agent-wise if they could only keep one? 
if money's not an object, I think that they would take, they would keep either Cam Sutton or Mike Hilton. I go back and forth with this. I, I'm leaning towards them keeping Hilton because I think they're going to keep Nelson and Hayden. But if you were to cut one of those other two cornerbacks due to being a cap casualty, you cannot let Cam Sutton go. Mike Hilton cannot play on the outside. He just can't. And so if you let if you let Cam Sutton go and keep Hilton and then you have to cut Hayden or Nelson because they, they make too much money, that's a big, big problem. Big, big problem. So I would say um, right now I'm leaning towards Hilton, but I can see Sutton making a case for him too. And yeah, that's over Bud Dupree. That's over Juju. That's over Big Al. That's over all these guys. I, that's That's just who I think. I think they're the most valuable players in that group. Pierce asks, could we be on the brink of becoming the little brother of the AFC North? Certainly seems like something to worry about with our rising rivals in Baltimore, Cleveland, and even Cincinnati with Burrow. And the fact that our quarterback situation is in the air. What do you think? Hoping to hear some positivity. Well, Pierce, I am a positive guy, so lucky for you. Um, I'm an optimistic guy. I think the Steelers are not going to be the little brothers um, in the AFC North. I still think they're very they're close with Cleveland in regards to um, they're always going to play them tough. They're going to play Baltimore tough. The Steelers' defense is going to keep them in almost every single game. So unless that defense gets completely gashed, I think the Steelers will figure out the the quarterback situation. Um, I got to be honest with you. The more I think about the upcoming offseason, I think the Steelers might be saying we think that we've got something in Dwayne Haskins that no one else thinks they have, and they could be wrong. And if they are wrong, it's not going to cost them much because they have nothing guaranteed to Dwayne Haskins. But just imagine if he actually played to that first-round pedigree, he sat for this year or maybe played sparingly, and then that was their guy. And there would be no down year. I, I would uh, That would be awesome. But I, I still think with this defense, and this core of this defense is going to remain with Tuitt and Hayward and Watt's going to get paid and Minka will get paid and Devin Bush is going to be there for a long time. Um, you're, you're going to have a good defense there for a really long time. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So there you go. Some positivity. Zibs asks, I don't know if I'm still on time. You are. But if Juju Smith-Schuster walks, do you think the Steelers should take a wide receiver at some point in the draft? Or will Deontay, Chase, James, and Ebron be enough? I think they still will look at wide receiver in the draft. Uh, based on the fact that I'm not sold that Washington can just step in and you know, take away, take, do everything that Juju Smith-Schuster did. That's, that's a big ask. But also I think that Deontay and even Chase Claypool are going to need someone else as a threat. I would not be shocked if in the second round, because they love to take their second round receivers. I would not be shocked if the Steelers draft a receiver in the second or third round in the upcoming NFL draft. I don't think they'll target one in free agency. I just based on the fact that I don't think there's a lot out there that are really worth it. But at the same time, I could see them definitely targeting a, a, a wide receiver because let's be honest, they always look for the insurance policy. And James Washington is going into his final year of his rookie deal. So if they draft a receiver this year, they they always have that secession plan. It's always ready to go. Lori asks, what would you do to improve the Steelers' offensive line? This Super Bowl showed us the importance of having a good one. Can we really expect to have a decent running game if the O-line is not good enough? Hashtag ride or die crew. So 
Lori, I think that I want to give Matt Canada's offense a chance, okay? Because the offensive line is very important. But I also think that a creative offensive mind, and Randy Feetner was not that, a creative offensive mind can run the ball in different ways. Randy Feetner did not, was not adept at that skill. He was not the guy that could say, all right, we're going to run this in a different way. We're going to change up the way we run the ball. We're going to use a lot of pre-snap motion. We're going to be moving around. It's going to look different, but it's going to work. That was not Randy Feetner, but it is Matt Canada. So before we go and say that it's all the O-line, I think that if the Steelers are, hear me out. If the Steelers signed Zach Banner for, let's say it's a one or two year deal. You have Chooks back already. I think there's your tackles. I would try to put, move Chooks to left tackle, by the way. So move Chooks to left tackle. You have Banner on the right. Let's assume that DeCastro's back. You have Kevin Dodson on the other side. And if Pouncey comes back, that's a pretty good offensive line there. I like that offensive line. I think that they would be good. I think they'd be probably better in run run blocking, especially on the edge. If Pouncey retires, that's tough. That's a tough blow. If DeCastro leaves or retires, I think they could if they could re-sign Matt Filer, he could help fill that in. Maybe Filer on the left, uh, Dotson on the right, or vice versa. They have options. They have options, but I don't think it's the end of the world with the offensive line. I do think they are going to invest in the offensive line in the draft. But you know what? It's it's also having good running backs that know the system well, that can work in the system. We shall see. But that's my answer. Rich asks, how do you feel about Washington replacing Juju's role if he walks in free agency? You know, James Washington, he's not he's not a Juju Smith-Schuster type. You know, I think he has better top-end speed. He's more of a deep threat than, than Juju ever was. Juju would get open, but it wasn't like he was a burner. You know, he, and I'm not saying that James Washington is a Mike Wallace type. He's not. But I think that James Washington is is faster. He's a player that can really run different routes than Juju. I don't think that it's going to be on James Washington to replace Juju. I think, if anything, it's going to be a combination of Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool to replace Juju. Juju, look at 2020. His catches were all probably 20 yards and in, a lot over the middle, tough, tough catches, tough, tough yards, just getting beat up. That's going to be that. That's what's going to replace him. And I don't think that's necessarily James Washington. I think they can replace him, but I don't know if it's just James Washington. Okay, El Duderino, love that name, man. Appreciate it as always. He says so. Patrick Peterson and the Cardinals will be parting ways, and I'm already seeing some buzz around Steeler Nation. Do you think it would be a good, useful move, or is this just hype from a couple years ago when he was about to hit the market and the Steelers didn't have corners? I don't. Again. If, if you're looking at the Steelers' cornerback situation, both Hayden and Nelson have high price tags entering 2020. So if you had to cut one of those guys, which you would have to do to bring in Peterson, Peterson's not going to come in and say, yeah, I'll just be a backup. That's not going to happen. So with Peterson, if if you're going to bring him in, he's going to have to take significantly less than what they were making. Because if you're going to make that move, you're trying to upgrade your roster, but you're also trying to make it so that your salary cap is at least, at least closer to compliant. With all that being said, I just don't see it happening. Cornerbacks are in high demand in the National Football League, and I'm sure Peterson will get top dollar from someone. Paul asks, although it's not the biggest need, what do you think about the idea of drafting a linebacker like Zaven Collins from Tulsa who can do it all in the first round? 
Have a, having a dynamic duo at inside linebacker paired with a very good D-line was a big key to the victory for the Bucks. Hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks for the hashtag. I would not be upset if they took an athletic hybrid type linebacker in the first round. So far, the only main uh, pre-draft visits or interviews that they've had came from the Senior Bowl, and they were with players of that ilk, players that could even rush off the edge, also play in space, very athletic. I love that type of linebacker. I think they need more of them. I'd be fine with it. Ryan says, is the offensive line the problem, or is it the running backs? The offensive line is playing Lev Bell ball. Watching film, most successful runs were delayed runs giving the O-line time to create slow opening gaps, imitating Lev Bell's patient hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, Ryan. You know, for me, I have to be honest. I, I've said this before. This isn't the first time I've said this. I feel that this offensive line was built to block for Le'Veon Bell. And that's from Villanueva all the way to DeCastro. And then, and even Pouncey, because they're not the Maulers that I talked about at the beginning of the show. I think that, with Bell gone and he's not coming back and nor do we want him back. I think with all that happening, you have a Steelers offensive line that is transitioning. They're figuring out what they have to do and do they have the personnel to do it with the running backs that they have. So I do think they could target a running back in the draft. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, I don't know if it's going to be their first round pick, but ultimately I think that they are a transitioning running team. That's not a bad thing. They just have to find a new and unique way to run it. Now, David uh, Testus, he said this out, I think it was the other day. It might have been earlier today. He said, hey, I'll be at work when you do your mailbag, so here's my question. Do you ever see the Steelers going full rebuild, sacrificing a year or two of bad play for world-class talent seems to be inevitable if a team wants to have a shot at a Super Bowl? That's a tough question. You know, you're talking about completely tearing it down. And I don't know if the Steelers will ever completely tear it down. They're just not that type of organization. The Steelers are a team that prides themselves on being competitive. We know this from Mike Tomlin's winless streak. He's never had a losing record. And I think that the Steelers, they always look to retool, not rebuild. That's a key. So they never say, well, we're in rebuild mode. No, they're retooling. Okay, They're going to look at everything and say, how can we make it work? And then they're going to get to work. And so I think that's what the Steelers are doing. It took them a while on defense, if you remember those years, the Antoine Blake years, the Ross Cockrell years. Um, those were rough, rough years uh, when you're relying on guys like uh, Will Allen and Ryan Mundy in the back end. That's bad. But they finally started to get the pieces of the puzzle together. Now they have to. Now they, they the defense is in place. Now they're trying to retool the offense. I don't think they have to do as much. The quarterback's a big question, but I don't think they do as much. But because I'm explaining this this way, should be clear. Uh, it should be very clear that I don't think they'll ever have to do a complete rebuild. So there you have it. All right, folks, that's the mailbag segment. I appreciate everyone for all their uh, contributions. For all of you people that that are part of the Ride or Die crew, that get on Twitter and use the hashtag Ride or Die crew. Thank you very much. I appreciate each and every one of you. That's it. That's our show. I'll be back on Friday to talk about the news that's happening with the Steelers. Uh, Any news that might be breaking, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers are supposed to meet at some point this week. Maybe we'll know some information about that. Until then, make sure you check out Behind the Steel Curtain for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. Should be your one-stop shop. As always, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. We'll see you on Friday. Burn it all till the morning
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.